Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about a Georgia special grand jury and Trump. You won't believe. Uh, Trump supports Soros? Question mark. Uh, vaccine danger and Pfizer cover-up. So much to tell you there. And woke lunacy in medical schools. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. You may not realize that there are, and maybe you do, just a lot of endless ongoing investigations, efforts to somehow get Donald Trump, somehow to make him out to be uh, having committed some terrible offense uh, during the course of his presidency. And one of those is going on in Georgia. And you may or may not know about this, but in Georgia, the Fulton County Grand Jury, uh, the Fulton County District Attorney uh, called a, it's not a regular grand jury, because a regular grand jury means you have the power to you know, subpoena witnesses, you have the power to, uh, essentially, the grand jury listens to evidence presented by the prosecutor and can decide whether or not that they want to issue an indictment. And they're also ruled by other, uh, there are other rules that apply, including that when you're part of the grand jury, you know, you're sworn to secrecy or privacy. You don't go on the media and talk about what the grand jury is considering. It's a process considered to actually allow a prosecutor to get a public sense of whether or not the evidence he or she has accumulated is sufficient to warrant a an, an indictment. I mean, for many people, they say it's just kind of a rubber stamp. But anyway, what's going on in Fulton County, Georgia, is they created this special grand journey, a jury to look into Donald Trump and the whole election fraud claims arising out of 2020. In my view, the reason that they did this, the reason they called this special grand jury, is to continue to allow news and headlines and rumors to spread around to keep this story of alleged, uh, not, not of alleged election theft or election fraud in Georgia, but of false accusations about election fraud in Georgia, which is what they're really trying to get Donald Trump for. They're trying to claim that he made, uh, he or others on his behalf made false claims. So they have this grand jury, which is essentially kind of like assembling, uh, chosen by the district attorney, uh, who said she's just kind of seeking public opinion. What does the public think about this? Again, it's like a publicity stunt, a gigantic publicity stunt on a more serious level is lawfare. It's the idea that you essentially get your way by filing lawsuits, molding public opinion uh, through what you achieve through lawfare, and essentially changing policy and law through uh, um, using and public opinion and policy uh, by filing lawsuits, which is what the left does kind of all day long. So in this Fulton County grand jury, the district attorney uh, is trying to get them to answer questions or give them op give opinions about whether or not there was wrongdoing by Trump and or his team related to making accusations of election fraud. So they have, as every jury and grand jury does, they have a jury foreman. I mean, a four person, foreman's the common term. Uh, the one person who's kind of the leader, call, you know, swears in the witnesses, calls the, um, you know, eventually organizes them into issuing whatever they're going to issue. So this grand jury, since it has actually no precedent in law and no uh, legal authority to exist, actually, um, isn't really bound by all the rules that normal and real grand juries are bound by. They're not bound by the rule whether or not you can, um, whether or not you can speak to the press and such. So I'm first going to ask Mr. Emilio to play a clip for you. This is the woman. When you hear this woman, she's the foreman. I like the leader of this alleged grand jury, this special grand jury uh, in Fulton County, Georgia. And she's answering questions about why or why didn't they, the grand jury, seek testimony from President Trump? Because he's the one, obviously, everyone's really looking at President Trump. They look at people around him also. But so she's asked that question. I'm not going to say another word except to say, listen to her. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about her. Here she is. 
Do you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just, I kind of just thought that it. would be an awesome moment. I mean, she's, you know, if, first of all, for radio listeners, this woman who is the head of the grand jury, uh, she has a very juvenile appearance, a very juvenile appearance, and a, I mean, not, not like a serious person would be if you're dealing with a grand jury, an enormously consequential case, dealing with the President of the United States. She, I only showed you a short segment, but you can find her, uh, her longer interview online, I'm sure. She's giggling, literally giggling, during the course of this about how cool it would have been. In fact, she's a woman, really cool if I could have, you know, administered the oath to President Trump and been like just a few feet away from him and asked him to raise his right hand and swear to tell the truth. I'm getting at the point, this process, she symbolizes, she epitomizes the unseriousness of this process. She's the foreman and she looks like a giggling 12 year old and she's giggling into the, into the, uh, during the course of this interview about how cool it was that she uh, is the foreman of this grand jury and they looked into uh, Trump. And then I'm, I'm just getting at the whole process is not the serious process that a courtroom should involve. Courts are actually serious places. Grand juries are serious places. There's a serious oath about upholding the law. There's supposed to be a serious oath on the part of the jurors, the judges, the lawyers, the members of the grand jury, everybody. You're supposed to be seriously committed to the rule of law and carrying out the rule of law and because it's very consequential. Obviously, in real grand juries, not pretend grand juries like this, they have enormous power. They can issue indictments that which end up shaping public opinion, may end up actually having a person or usually ends up having someone prosecuted. But these, the giggle, giggle girl and her uh, juror, jury uh, listened to a bunch of witnesses who talked about whatever the conversations were that are surrounding this argument about whether or not Trump um, unduly influenced or impacted in any way uh, what happened in Georgia surrounding the election. Um, so I want to just tell you what they finally issued. They never called President Trump um, as a witness, and that's one thing she's talking about is, you know, that they didn't ever ask him. But she actually, um, <clears throat> I want, what I want to be more precise about what they're looking at and then I'll tell you what the, the grand jury's, this non, not real grand jury found. Uh, this grand jury, this special grand jury, uh, was convened to review claims that President Trump attempted to coerce Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find votes and assist him in winning the November 2020 election. So that famous phone call um, between President Trump and the Georgia um, Secretary of State. So they have witnesses, whoever came to testify, and this special grand jury has no power other than they do at the end of it all. They issue kind of a opinion of what they think maybe should happen, but they have, they can't, they cannot, even if they all vote the same way, they can't issue uh, indictments. But what they found, so they issued, um, this special grand jury met and had all these people come and talk. What they issued was the following, uh, uh, short relevant portions. A majority of the grand jury believes that perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses testifying before it. So maybe someone came and lied. I mean, you know, they're, they're saying maybe that happened. The grand jury recommends the district attorney seek appropriate indictments for such crimes where the evidence is compelling. So, okay, so they say, we think maybe someone lied to us. They don't name any names. They don't say, you know, Joe Schmo came and lied about this. So it's just, we think maybe someone who came and testified uh, in front of us lies. Don't list any names. Um, of people that are claiming committed a perjury. Um, they, they, I, I mean, it's just, it is such an, not just amateurish, isn't the right word. It's such a mockery of the serious system of justice that's supposed to happen in our country. And it's all just a, just a charade. It's just a, a parade being put on uh, to keep this whole claim that Trump unduly tried to influence the November elections in Georgia in 2020, to keep that in the public eye, in the public mind, um, and so they can continue to stir up possible trouble for President Trump, the uh, DA who appointed 
did this grand jury said she's using it to get kind of public opinion uh, to find out what, what the people think of whether she should pursue charges against Trump or anyone else. And then there was also, um, they don't, <laughs> they don't mention um, any targets for indictment. They don't offer rationale for their allegations of perjury. They don't mention Trump by name. They just kind of rambling thinking maybe someone didn't tell the whole truth here. And then, of course, the media gets a hold of this, the media who can't wait to destroy Trump every chance they get, and they're saying, see, see, the grand jury, they leave out the fact it's a pretend grand jury. The pretend grand jury met, and lo and behold, they said maybe someone committed perjury in front of them. Well, you know, Trump wasn't there, didn't testify, so it wasn't Trump, but all the uh, left-wing media reporting on this uh, outcome of this special grand jury are saying, well, you know, the grand jury kind of looked like they might think there should be indictments here or there. I mean, it is just a charade, and I, I say again, the, the, our system of laws in this country, our, the structure of the courts in this country, I'm not, I mean, it's far from perfect. We have, we have extremely, in my view, biased judicial system in this country, uh, especially when you look at Washington, D.C. and the January 6th uh, cases, we have extremely biased courts in this country. But the process and the, what the commitment is supposed to be is very serious. It's how you uphold a stable and civil society. But you have to have a system of laws and a grand jury and the application of laws equally applied to all people. I mean, this is just a charade. It's like entertainment and uh, perpetuating public uh, interest in this whole argument that maybe somehow Trump uh, crossed the line in conversation, uh, which I do not believe he did at all. But in any case, uh, he crossed the line with a conversation with this with uh, Brad Raffensperger. So this DA, whose job should have been about three days after the phone call came out to make the, ass make the assessment of whether or not there should be a charge, is just stringing this out. You know, here we are now in February 2023, and we're just now hearing what the grand jury had to say. It makes a mockery of the justice system in America. It is just one more example of the left's lunatic determination to, in some way, take down President Trump. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. Speaking of uh, taking, trying to take down President Trump, you know, I just want to tell you, you know, he's obviously declared he's running for president. It appears that Ron DeSantis is going to, to make that uh, announcement, I guess, after the uh, legislature in Florida reassures him he can remain governor while he's also running for president. But in any case, Ron DeSantis is going to run. Uh, Nikki Haley got in. I actually saw this morning uh, Vivek Ramaswamy got in. He announced his, uh, he was seeking the GOP nomination for president. He's actually a really smart guy. I just heard him talk in a, um, a meeting in Florida about two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Uh, he's actually brilliant. Uh, he's very smart and very articulate and very passionate and talks a lot about the woke corporations in America and, and just wokeness generally. He's very bright. You know, he's, I think he's probably running mostly uh, to get his name out, not just his name, because he doesn't strike me as egotistical, get his message out there about how dangerous the wokeness is in America. But in any case, What's going to happen between now, February 2023, and the fall elections next year will be an almost uninterrupted, relentless effort to bring down, to denigrate, mock, ridicule, and in some way tear down President Trump as he is seeking the uh, nomination for you know, the next year to run for, in the GOP ticket for president. And so you will see many, many stories. Uh, and one more thing before I get to the particular story about George Soros, because the story uh, is kind of very interesting to people, uh, this argument that um, some guy put out, something I'll tell you about in a minute, that kind of tries to connect Trump and Soros. But before I do that, you know, the people in this country who, the more you pay attention, the more you're concerned about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, strong military, retaining American sovereignty and not globalism, retaining the constitution and not lawlessness, and retaining America as a sovereign nation, not submitting and surrendering to a globalist organization or to global government. The more you're into that, the more you recognize that there is a massive massive mob, I don't know what word to use, of people, not just in Washington, though many in Washington, but it's people in government, in the federal agencies, in Wall Street, in the bureaucracies around the country, especially in Washington, uh, in the international banking community, mobs of people who really like how far down the path America has already gone 
to surrendering sovereignty, to becoming more global in our mindset, and ultimately to allowing America to be weakened and destroyed. You know, when Trump ran, he talked about, there was that very famous speech he gave really near the election in 2016, where he talked about there are billions at stake. And I don't know his term was thousands of people who, who are threatened by his candidacy and would be threatened by his presidency. And if you want to call them the deep state, you want to call them the uh, swamp, you want to call them the uniparty, deep state, swamp, uniparty, whatever you call them, there's a big cabal of, a cabal of politicians in Washington who want pretty much anyone but Trump. Most of them want a Democrat, but even if they say they're okay with a Republican, this, even this uniparty, this Republican and Democrat cabal, they don't want Trump because Trump is the person who stood in the way in 20, by winning, in their view, unexpectedly in 2016 and really kind of interrupting the whole train barreling down the track to take down America, the sovereign, unique, extraordinary, and great, and push Amer and weaken America as the uh, Biden administration worked at, and the Obama administration, Obama-Biden worked at for eight years before that, they worked at weakening America. So what you will see between now and the election of 2016, or at least, excuse me, of 2024, and at least until the primary is over, you'll see story after story trying to say, you know, well, Trump, he really, he did this wrong. He's not good about that. Trump is not perfect. I, I have, have on this show, and I will again, you know, Trump is not perfect. No candidate is perfect. No candidate also at this time at least, has come close to what Trump has done in exposing the deep state, exposing the uniparty, and willing to, to act and speak fearlessly about taking it down, and instead of having the uniparty cabal ruling America, trying to return power to the people in America, trying to return America to what it was intended to be. We the people, we the sovereign, running America. Trump is the only one who speaks in those terms and acts that way. He's the only one who is just has the, so far, had the bravery and courage to say, to, keep, to hold on to America of the founding. We have a massive deep state cabal swamp, you know, just, just swamp rot in Washington that must be removed. He's the only one. So now, I want to get on about the story with Soros very quickly is there was an article that got a lot of attention. Let me make sure I tell you about it. So some guy, and I guess he has, I, didn't, I hadn't heard of him, but I guess he has kind of a following. Uh, Pedro Gonzalez wrote a piece where he's basically talking about, you know, uh, that Donald Trump has links to George Soros, because most people on the right, you know, most people, con conservatives, do not want anything to do with any agenda item Soros has in mind. I mean, whatever Soros wants, he's bad for America. We all know this. So he's trying to uh, make the argument there are some ties. And I'll tell you very quickly what he's talking about. So um, there was a uh, Munich security conference, and George Soros spoke, um, and he, uh, you know, he um, attacked Donald Trump. And, and he attacked DeSantis. I mean, George Soros wants the Democrat to win. He wants a communist to win if he could just get him. But anyway, George Soros made a speech in which he was basically saying, you know, he really attacked Trump. He said Trump is a pitiful figure, um, continually bemoaning his loss in 2020. So he, he you know, ragged. This is, this is George Soros speaking very recently at a the security conference in Munich. And he's attacking Trump, but he also attacks um DeSantis, you know, and says, you know, DeSantis, uh, he calls DeSantis, I think the words were ruthless, trying for what he said about DeSantis, ruthless, and, um, you know, also a bad guy, blah, blah, blah. He's trying to knock down and criticize the top contenders for the Republican nomination for president. However, in this article, this Pedro Gonzalez guy goes on from there to say, you know, yeah, he's trying to knock down Trump and trying to knock down DeSantis. But keep in mind, says Pedro Gonzalez, you know, Trump kind of had a lot of connections to George Soros. And what precisely he's saying is, you know, don't ignore the real, and these are his words, the real social, financial, and policy connections between Soros and Trump. Now, this is a hit piece. Let me explain. This is a hit piece designed to make people who would otherwise just be on board for Trump again to say, well, gee, you know, what do you mean he had ties to Soros? And so very quickly, what he's talking about is Jared Kushner, who, you know, I really wish Trump had never had in his White House. You should have never stepped foot, except maybe at the Christmas party, never been in the White House, but he was. Uh, and Jared Kushner, uh, who is Trump's son-in-law, you know, had ran some things in the White House that sound a lot like things that, um, 
George Soros ran. They were kind of very similar ideas, similar uh, wording of things. I'm trying to find it really quickly, but um, so it was August of 2020. So Kushner decided he's going to have a, um, as a opens up in the White House, uh, something that's very similar uh, to what the Open Society Foundation Soros did in July of that year, basically investing uh, $220 million in emerging organizations and leaders building power back in black communities, blah, blah, blah. So this guy's arguing because, you know, way back in, or in the same year of 2020, George Soros opened society, put a bunch of money into black communities, and then Jared Kushner wants to do the same thing. See, see, that proves Trump and Soros are connected. I mean, it's absurd, but you're on page four of this article before you realize that he's saying that. The other point that this article is making, trying to connect Trump and Soros, so absurd, but trying to connect them is to say, well, you know, Steve Mnuchin, uh, who was Trump's secretary of the treasury, uh, was mentored by Soros. And I guess he was. I mean, I have no reason to doubt that. Times of Israel said, after leaving Goldman Sachs in 2002, Mnuchin spent a brief period working for Soros, um, who then helped him set up Duke Capital Management. What I really want to get out is this about these things. I think in the world of, you know, when you live in the world of the, uh, you know, the really, uh, I don't know what right word to say, but, you know, just the, the very, very thin air at the top, when you rub elbows with billionaires on a day-to-day -day basis, when you are, you know, Donald Trump and you have your wealth and the Soros, there's a lot of connection to these people, a lot of connection to the very wealthy in the world. They just happen. I mean, they just, you know, they're going to be in a, in a realm unique to, above most people, their ability to fund projects, to whether they are charity projects or you know new ventures they're going to rub elbows and so the idea that soros and trump have rubbed elbows I, you know i i don't have a problem with that and i don't have a problem i don't i don't ever like steve mnuchin that much but whatever the idea that soros is in any way supportive of or connected to trump is absurd and I want to make this point because if any of this idea about, well, you know, how come Soros people ended up in Trump's White House, if that's the headline, you know, you get ignorant voters saying, well, in that case, I'm not with Trump. And you got to understand what they're trying to do here. What Donald Trump is trying to do is restore America. He's trying to restore the idea of America as founded, meaning that we have, we the people are the sovereign. We have rights from God because uh, from our creator, as is recited in the Declaration of Independence, and that's who we are. And we have freedom and we have free markets and we hate socialism and we hate communism because they're opposite of what America is. And that's what America, and, and this is where Donald Trump is. He wants freedom, free markets, capitalism. He does not want what Soros wants. Soros and, and Donald Trump wants a strong America. George Soros wants to destroy America. He is an atheist. He hates religion. George Soros, atheist, hates religion, hates America, wants to take America out. They're, they're like, they're, you know, they're, they're just polar opposites in everything that really matters. But I'm telling you all this because I do think you're going to start to see more and more articles trying to say, question, well, what does Trump really believe? What's he really think? I don't know. You know, I'll just tell you in case you have any doubt whether the two have any fondness at all. Um, even back in 2017, uh, right when Trump had just won and just entered the White House, George Soros gave a blasting speech. I don't know where he was at the time. Uh, anyway, he gave his, oh, at the World Economic Forum. So Soros goes over the World Economic Forum when Trump is beginning his presidency to, to call Donald Trump an imposter and to call him a, um, uh, you see, imposter, uh, a political con man, a would-be dictator. You know, Soros hates Trump. And, and the fact that there were some connections between some money that flowed in various ways or people that knew each other does not mean the slightest there's any alliance between the real, what Donald Trump wants and what he did as president and what George Soros is doing. Um, in fact, I'll tell you what Soros really wants and he's, and he's you know, advertising that Soros is talking about the idea he would love, love if Trump stays in the uh, GOP in the race for the presidential nomination and that DeSantis gets in. This is what George Soros said recently. He sure would love to see Trump and DeSantis in the GOP primary beating each other up, you know, because they have to, they criticize each other. And then he, Soros is saying, that would be great if DeSantis would win the GOP nomination. And then Trump, because he, Soros thinks is so egotistical, Trump will probably run as an independent. And then we'll have, you know, Trump as an independent, you know, DeSantis with the GOP nomination. And you know what? We're going to get a Democrat. This is as the president in 2024. This is how Soros thinks. This is what he wants. And it may seem I'm talking 
a lot about one little article, but I'm, the larger point I want to make is that just as Trump said in 2016, there are legions and legions of people. There are and billions of dollars, trillions of dollars at stake in the world if Trump can right the ship in America, can get a second term and turn America back away to being what it's supposed to be, was founded to be, loosen ourselves from the grip of what the left is trying to create in the uh, New World Order, World Economic Forum world, the new globalist agenda, socialist agenda. If Trump can say, actually, you know, we're going to get America back on track, many, many people literally lose billions. They lose power, they lose connections. And much of what Trump is talking about uh, as he's going to run again, these people see as very threatening. So whether you call it uniparty or deep state or whatever term you use, those people, both sides of the aisle, filled throughout the federal bureaucracies, they see Trump as a threat to the way things have been established because they know he won't perpetuate it and they, and they want somebody else. They want DeSantis, who would also, I've got to tell you, whoever wins the Republican nomination, whoever wins, I will 100% support. I think DeSantis has done great things in Georgia, uh, excuse me, in Florida, great things in Florida. I mean, and he's got a lot of great policies, a lot of great bravery. Um, you know, he's, he's got, he gets, I've got a great stump speech. I just saw him in Florida two or three weeks ago. Uh, I mean, you know, he gave, and to a relatively small crowd, and he, I mean, he really has a lot of um, energy and passion and right ideas. If he ends up winning the, winning the presidency or winning the, the nomination, I, I will back him. Um, but I will say, when your real goal in, as a citizen of America, as a patriot, is to save America, you got to get beyond, you got to be looking at, in the presidential candidate, who sees the big picture and who's got the backbone and bravery to fight the entire established ruling class, uniparty, um, you know, j just the, the utter antithesis of what America is supposed to be. Who has the backbone to fight them and stay in the fight? And who can spend his own money so he does it? Because what happens to any other candidate is you need the money of backers, and the backers end up running your agenda, even if they say they don't. So that is where we are. Um, for our, um, you know, on that issue, I just, I just, just the last point in this, you got to really pay attention, keep watching for all the ways in which Trump is going to be attacked by people, even on the conservative side, who just don't want him as president again. There'll be a lot of them, and some of them may be very legitimate complaints or criticisms, but I'm happy to, I'm happy to tell you all about them. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm truth teller here. That's my job. I tell the truth. Um, but I think the uh, mission to get him, evidenced by this ridiculous grand jury, not the fake grand jury in uh, Fulton County, and, and by this kind of article, other ones like it, it will be a constant effort to take down Trump. Okay, um, I'm going to tell you, um, I have a lot of information about the vaccines today um, and, uh, and the COVID vaccine and data that's come out. And before I do that, I'll tell you that I... Um, my husband and I went to an event a couple days ago, and we heard Dr. Peter McCullough speak. Um, and so I, I call this segment Vaccine Danger and Pfizer Cover-Up. But we heard Dr. McCullough speak. And, you know, he's a, he happens to be based in Dallas, which is great. Um, and so he's been on the show numerous times. And he was one early on. He's, he's actually a heart, is a heart doctor. He has all sorts of, I can't even recite all these specialties he has because they're like too many syllables in those words, but he's very, very bright. You know, he's a, a heart doctor and, and world renowned before all COVID came along. And all along, all he ever wanted to do was just tell you the truth. He just wanted to tell you what was going on with uh, COVID and who was at risk, who wasn't, whether, um, whether masks worked and, and, and et cetera. So he said one thing, I mean, I, he had, it was a lengthy presentation, lots of medical data, um, and it has not been transcribed. But the one piece I took away with certainty was he talked about how many people in America, how many people in just United States of America have died directly from the COVID vaccines? And the answer was at least 250,000 people. 250,000 people. That's a quarter of a million Americans died directly because of the vaccines. 
He had lots of other data, which I won't try to paraphrase, but I want to try to do today um, in talking through where we are and the latest information related to the vaccines is to point out that what he's talking about and other doctors are, are talking about, there's so much data out there, so much data about the danger, the deaths, the injuries, permanent injuries, disabilities created by the COVID vaccines. It really is incumbent to ask where in the world is are the state legislatures, the federal legislature, where is anyone speaking up? Anyone who has a bully pulpit, anyone who has the public's attention, you would think in a situation where, um, where we have, um, I'm sorry, someone is telling me something. Okay. Uh, Anyway, if you, you would think in the um, in this situation where you have even a small number of unexpected deaths, a small number of unexpected deaths, that you would, after vaccines, you'd say, hey, that, that's really, in fact, if someone who's listening uh, uh, can look this up or, or, and text me quickly, but, you know, we pulled, America pulled the vaccine for, I think it was SARS-CoV, no, for, uh, we pulled a vaccine anyway, uh, in, the, in recent decades, because there were like 25 deaths, 25 deaths caused by the vaccines, and we, America, said, you cannot tolerate that. We're pulling these back. You cannot have that many people die from a vaccine. We're now at the place, just in America, a quarter million people died from the vaccines that are unsafe and and just unbelievable. So I wanna just tell you some of the other things that have come out re recently, because it's really important to understand you know, I could spend every day on this show, day after day after day after day, I could spend reading you new studies, new findings, new statistics, put new charts up on the, you, on the board, you could see the new charts about the death and destruction and disability and illness being caused by the COVID vaccines around the world. The data are so overwhelming and actually, frankly, gets a little bit boring um, to keep recounting this, and so I don't do it every day, but I'm gonna spend a little bit of time talking to you today about some new data that's out, just because I wanna keep this drum beat up. Okay, you know, we had, COVID came along and early in 2020, a lot of people were alarmed. And so, you know, we got in this, this unfortunately terrible path led by Dr. Fauci of, you know, hey, we're just gonna go ahead and create um, a vaccine. Everybody stay, sit still, stay home, don't go anywhere, do, gonna do a vaccine, uh, ignoring all the medications that did work. But since that time, Doctors around the world, around the world, and, and all over America, prominent doctors have been coming up with data about COVID isn't really that dangerous for almost everyone. It still has a 99.9% .9 survival rate for pretty much everybody. And we have effective medications for pretty much everybody. And yet we are pushing the vaccines and it's like we're living in this parallel world where the, the new data comes out and we just say, well, we just, and then we have the federal government and we have Biden and we have the Biden's administration and the FDA and the CDC and all the federal and NIH, all these agencies which should be screaming from the rooftops saying nothing other than, yeah, let, let's keep up with the vaccine. So let me just, um, the thing that was new today, and, and by the way, everything I talk about in my show, I put up. Um, on our website, and back, I'm sorry, back to our radio listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I'm glad you're back from your break. Uh, and you're listening to Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk, at americacanwetalk.org. The new thing that came out uh, today, and I want to share with you, uh, there's a brilliant writer um, who wrote this piece at Conservative Review uh, named Daniel Horowitz. He's a great, he's been on the show before, brilliant guy. So he is a, um, He's a great political commentator, a great researcher, and he brought out, and this, oh, so, when you're listening to anything on my show, you want to read the articles I'm referring to, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and on the homepage under shows, drop down a list of links, you'll find a link to the story I'm talking about. This is Daniel Horowitz's story. Again, he's with Conservative Review, brilliant guy. And uh, the caption is, major German newspaper reveals Pfizer fabricated clinical trials to cover up deaths. I want you to let that penetrate. 
We've already been talking on this show about how Pfizer tried to hide all of the data related to their clinical trials from being exposed to the public for 75 years. They thought somehow they can do all these clinical trials and, and claim, you know, stake a claim that th these are effective, we should use these. And, and then you had <clears throat> uh, the, the, the court force Pfizer to release the data and we're finding out that the vaccines are so scarily unsafe we can hardly believe it. But, and so that's out, but still, you know, government pushing vaccines, making rules. So here we have this story, and I'm just gonna tell you a few little uh, pieces from it. According to new data from the Scottish government, there were, I'm gonna round the numbers here, 7,300 deaths registered in January, 2023, an increase of 17.7% compared to the average of 6,200. For the second week of January, there were more deaths in Scotland than ever before, including during the peak of the pandemic. These people are not dying from COVID. They're dying from the vaccines. <clears throat> Excuse me. Concurrently, there were 4,000 births registered in January 2023, a decrease of almost 7% from the previous year. So births are down, live births of, ba of you know, babies who survive are down, deaths are up. In other words, listen, this is one key thing. In other words, between a dearth of births, little play on words there, a dearth of births, and a plethora of deaths, there were roughly 1,400 fewer souls. And if you take the Scottish population and you translate that, you know, or you move it over to America and apply our size population, the equivalent of roughly 86,000 people in the United States. And this is all long after COVID. And what this writer is saying is, where is the concern? We have all these, you know, uh, uh, Stories are scary beyond belief about sudden death. You know, people just unexpected, died unexpectedly. You know, fine one moment, drop dead the next. We have story after story like this. And these are athletes. One other thing Dr. McCullough talked about um, at the, this talk we went to. In any case, there's this newspaper uh, which is being reported on, uh, Die Welt is a paper based in the home country of Pfizer, partner Biotech, revealed last week in a long expose that what many of us have already known all those sudden deaths, heart attacks, and strokes we've been witnessing over the past two years were indeed observed during the Pfizer clinical trial that supposedly showed the shots to be 100% safe and effective. So Pfizer saw the same pattern, unexpected deaths, reduced birth rates or babies stillborn or not surviving. And, and, and Pfizer went ahead and said, 100% safe, rock and roll, let's go, we got these vaccines going. Um, and remember, the CDC recently announced a few weeks ago, it had finally uh, a study that it had finally studied a potential association between the COVID shots and strokes. And I mean, it just goes on and on. I'm getting at the point, how is it that we live in America the country of, you know, land of the free, we have liberty, we have a representative government, and we cannot get the Congress, the Senate, the President, the people who have the bully pulpit and power to say, pull the plug on these vaccines, pull the plug, stop dancing around about, well, maybe, you know, if you're 80 and you have seven different pre-existing conditions, get rid of these things. They're killing people. I, I mean, it's just mind-blowing to me that we keep, I mean, I, as I tell you, I could do this show and sit here day after day after day and read you studies and put up charts on the board and show you the increase in deaths. I mean, insurance companies are talking about the great increase of life insurance payments they're having to pay out to people who didn't have COVID and who were young, like between the ages of 25 and 44 or something like that, 19 and 44. Death numbers way up, no explanation except for the vaccines. And we just keep, we just keep rolling along and acting like they're fine. Two other, I think, amazing other pieces of data. Someone's giving me some good information here. Okay, um, swine flu. Okay, this this was a thing. You talk about you know when we used to care about whether people were being harmed by shots. Swine flu program was halted in America, in nine states because three people died. Swine flu vaccine kills three people in 1976, and you have nine states pull it back, and overall the federal government pulled back. And we have 
a quarter million deaths. And, then, and Dr. McCullough is not the only one reporting this. Many doctors are trying to say, you know, all this information is kind of out there. You know, are, are, is someone going to do something? I, I find it just staggering. Another um, bit of data, New Zealand government. New Zealand government that used to be like the, you know, they were just draconian about, uh, about getting the vaccines and, and sending it off to concentration camp style thinking and, and living if you wouldn't get the vaccine. New Zealand government data shows that the COVID vaccines make you more likely to die from COVID, not less. And, and please do remember, it's been clear, COVID vaccines, they don't prevent you from contracting COVID. They don't prevent you from spreading COVID. They don't prevent you from dying of COVID. They don't pretty much prevent anything. And yet all you hear from the government is, and the CDC, we got a new shot and a new booster. Take your booster. They put the booster, you know, they put the COVID, the COVID vaccine shot in the children's, in the children's protocol. Kids who basically are statistically zero chance of getting COVID and zero chance that they do happen to contract it of dying. So we're going to be talking more about what is driving this, but it is not truth and it is not the interest of the American people. Uh, it's not the interest of the government in keeping the American people healthy. I want to tell you two other quick things happening. Oh, actually, uh, another study uh, talking about the um, COVID vaccines, 20% increase in perinatal death rates. That's fetal deaths, death of a baby, your pregnant death after 20 weeks. Perinatal deaths are defined as fetal deaths after 20 weeks and infant deaths after giving birth. And these are deaths that you're, the baby's far enough along, they actually go to a funeral home if this occurs with your baby. A 20 times, not 20% increase, 20 times, 20 times the number of perinatal death rates since the inception of the COVID vaccines. And yet here we sit. Now, I will tell you good news about this in America because we have the uh, slim Republican majority in the U.S. House. Congress is actually preparing to investigate the COVID-19 vaccines. They have a committee, thank goodness, a select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic is planning to investigate how possible side effects. Here's the things you're going to investigate. How side effects are being studied the regulatory process of authorizing and approving the vaccines, that'd be a really good thing, why the vaccines were mandated. And so they have other examples. Um, this one uh, Republican on the committee, Rich McCormick, who's Republican from Georgia, said the panel will be performing a comprehensive review of how the vaccines were developed, approved, and mandated. McCormick happens to also be a doctor, concerned about how the data on possible side effects has been collected, which I'm going to tell you, not very well. As you know, the VAERS data is entirely voluntarily submitted. Individual people submit VAERS data. I mean, you, the vaccine um, you know, injury data that is collected by the CDC, that's just submitted by individual citizens. And so it's not the same thing as doctors and nurses and the medical community keeping tabs on the death and injuries forming the vaccines. Anyway, uh, this doctor who's on the committee, on this uh, select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic, uh, wants to look at how children as young as six months old have been encouraged to get a primary series and at least one booster he says, given the lack of scientific evidence for a benefit coupled with real concerns about possible harm for otherwise immune person, because what the vaccine does, of course, it, it breaks down your own immune system, which is pretty darn good at keeping people safe. And they're actually talking about, uh, Debbie Lesko of, of Arizona um, is talking about um, looking at the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, CDC, um, which decides whether to recommend vaccines. And she talked about these two federal agencies increasingly bypassed their expert advisory panels during the pandemic. So even these federal agencies that have, we talked in the past about regulatory capture, that all these biomedical pharmaceutical companies produce vaccines and they're making you know, hand over fist money. And instead of the federal agencies who are supposed to be supervising them and keeping an eye on them, they have, you know, they call it regulatory capture, whatever you want to call it. The federal agencies and these biomedical pharmaceutical companies work in tandem. They're pals, that the money is flowing both ways, and they're not doing their job. The federal agency is not doing their jobs, which is her point when she's saying, why were these agencies ignoring their own, um, excuse me, or ignoring their own uh, expert advisory panels during the pandemic? And, um, <laughs> 
I mean, she's talking about different things and paddle. So why are we doing that? You don't need to do that. And the pharmaceuticals, they just can't wait to push them out more and more. Um, they also, she, Lesko says, she wants to talk about why mandates were imposed. So I'm glad they're looking into it. I will tell you that I learned about something recently, quickly tell you. Um, there's an, a group of doctors who's come together, and they have said, hey, if there's going to be a panel really, really looking, a congressional panel really, really looking at this question, um, let us give you some really good questions. Here are a list of questions. I'm not going to read you the questions, but I will tell you, this is a panel of extremely uh, well-known doctors who are trying to say, if the government's finally going to look into this, please look into the following questions, which I really appreciate because you, know, you think members of Congress, they may have access to a lot of information. They may have the ability uh, to subpoena people, but they aren't experts. The people on these committees, the members of Congress, they need experts like these doctors who came together and created a commission and they have written out, they have prepared a list of questions. And I was going to read the doctor's names, but I don't want to take the time to do it. You can read them on our website. But I really just want to say this is, this doctors doing this is citizen activism. It's citizens saying, we're not going to let you take down our country. We're not, not going to let you do that. Okay, um, before I go to my last topic for today, I want to hit two quick things to tell you. If you enjoy using your cell phone, which everyone does, I encourage you to consider shifting your cell service coverage, your cell phone coverage, to Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile, my husband and I switched our cell phones to Patriot Mobile. The Patriot Mobile cell phone company, they provide cell phone service like any other company you use. They use the same cell towers that other companies use, so it's the same good quality coverage you have. But the reason to switch to Patriot Mobile is because at Patriot Mobile, they make all of their corporate contributions to causes conservatives love. I believe Emilio has an ad you can put up to show you all. So at Patriot Mobile, they support conservative causes that you would love, and they do not make donations to causes you would not care for. So at Patriot Mobile, when I mean, you go check out Patriot Mobile at patriotmobile.com backslash Debbie G. And when you're at Patriot Mobile, look through their packages of deals for every budget, and you can switch your service to Patriot Mobile. If you put in Debbie G, they will waive the activation fee. It's a way to, it's another way to be in the political fight to save America. Don't give your money to cell phone companies that support causes you don't believe in. Switch to patriotmobile.com. Use in the promo code entry DebbieG. Go there, switch your coverage, get on Patriot Mobile plan, and support a company that supports the causes you believe in. PatriotMobile.com. Hope you'll do it. The other quick one I want to mention to you is that on this uh, for this show, America Can We Talk, people ask me all the time, how can I help your show? And I want to tell you one great way to do it is to shop if you enjoy shopping and the convenience of your own home, sitting at home, uh, shop at MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com is a great online catalog. It has all sorts of conceivable products, home products you will like and love and use, sheets and pillows and towels and blankets and, and bathrobes and slippers, and they are great prices. They are really well made. So I urge you to go to MyPillow.com. It's another way to support this show because when you go to MyPillow.com and at the end when you're checking out after buying lots of good stuff, put in the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, DEBBIEG, put in the promo code DEBBIEG, you get up to 66% off. I get a small payment from them and everybody's happy. Go to Patriot, go to, excuse me, go to mypillow.com, put in Debbie G in the promo code and please support MyPillow. And that way you're also supporting this show, America Can We Talk. Okay, one of the quick story I'm going to try to fit in in a, a mere nanosecond. Um, but I do want to quickly tell you, um, we talk about how what wakeness or being being woke has just spread everywhere uh, in this country, everywhere. I want to play for you something that is, I call this woke lunacy in medical schools. This is, I am not kidding you. You know when you hear about doctors taking their oath, you know, the oath, Hippocratic oath and do no harm. I want you to hear what they've now put in the Hippocratic Oath. This is at Columbia Medical School. These are people sworn in, taking the oath to become a doctor. Let's play that clip, please. We enter the profession of medicine with appreciation for the opportunity to build on the scientific and humanistic achievements of the past. We also recognize the acts and systems of oppression affected in the name of medicine. We take this oath of service to begin building a future grounded in truth, restoration, and equity 
to fulfill medicine's capacity to liberate. I promise to take care of my future patients by engaging in dialogue, listening to their lived experience, and tailoring my recommendations to their unique circumstances. I acknowledge the past and present failures of medicine to abide by its obligation to do no harm and affirm the need to address systemic issues in the institutions I uphold. I promise to critically examine the systems and experiences that impact every person's health and ability to receive care. I vow to use this knowledge to uplift my patients and disrupt the injustices that harm them as I forge the future of medicine. I promise to self-reflect diligently, to confront unconscious prejudices, and to develop the skills, knowledge, and character necessary to engender an inclusive, equitable field of medicine. Let us bow our heads in recognition of the gravity of this oath. We swear to faithfully engage with these ideals and obligations for the ongoing betterment of medicine and humanity. Okay, I, let's cut it. If you wondered what you're listening to, and if you're listening on radio, I'll just quickly tell you that the video was a woman, obviously a doctor, leading a large class of students graduating from medical school in reciting the Hippocratic Oath, which for many years basically said, you know, you promise to do no harm. The whole thing about how you're going to commit to do your best to save lives and help people. Now, I mean, and I'm telling you this story for several reasons, but now what the Hippocratic Oath is saying, which these, these students are reciting, it is woke doesn't even begin to describe. It is subtly sending the message that America is a deeply racist country, that we have systemic racism, that we, we have unconscious prejudices, that we're never inclusive, we don't care about people, and you know, it's entirely a message. I mean, it sounds like you're just urging the doctors to remember to treat everyone equally, to respect people's differences, to respect people's whatever the differences they might have. But what's really getting at the purpose of this kind of invasion of woke ideology into medical schools is to contort and twist how doctors and how everyone sees America. They're being told, they're being scolded, first of all, in this Hippocratic Oath, like you're probably really a, a racially prejudiced person, you're probably a really bad person, uh, and so you really better watch it. But the, the, uh, it's, it's woke beyond any description. Uh, we enter the profession with appreciation for the opportunity to build on the scientific and humanistic achievements of the past. We also recognize acts and systems of oppression affecting the name of medicine. We take this oath of service uh, to begin building a future grounded in truth, restoration, and equity to fulfill medicine's capacity to liberate. I mean, you know, I say, first of all, when you Okay, I know these people, everyone who would go to the difficulty of finishing medical school, obviously they have some level of commitment to want to help people. I mean, medical school takes forever. It's you know, college and grad school and then your uh, an internship and then your residency and then specialty. It takes years to become a doctor. And so all these people going through all these processes, going through all this education, growing up in America, they're finally being sworn in to become part of the practice of medicine. And what they're being told is, you know, this country has been a really evil country. We are very repressive. You, we, it's been a racist country. And so we've got your job as a doctor is to fight racism. I mean, I, I want to be clear about something. If there's really a problem with racism, then of course the job of every citizen is to fight racism, to expose it, to denounce it, to call it out. But the, the wokeness element is that it is presumed to be the truth about America presumed to be the truth, uh, that we have been, we have a deeply racist society, we have not included others, and, you know, I mean, I'm trying to find some of the other quotes in there, but it was, I can't do it quickly. I just, it, it's very, very um, unsettling, and it, it's very, it's evidence of how this wokeism that is really just leftism, socialism, Marxism, and communism in disguise, wokeism has invaded even our medical schools, even the Hippocratic Oath. The goal of the leftist is always, in this country and everywhere, to divide. It's the goal to send a message that 
people are judged by skin color. People should be parceled, you know, parceled into silos by skin color, and people should be treated differently based on their race, ethnicity, national origin. And it's this the woke ideology is infiltrated from its what critical race theory is in the schools uh, and being taught from kids from kindergarten through the end of grad school, the CRT agenda. It is everywhere, and it's not. If it were really about building understanding between races, it would be a good thing. If we're really about helping people understand, put yourself in someone else's shoes, it'd be a good thing. But it's not that. It's necessary to understand in every walk of life, this woke ideology, whether it invades corporations or the medical community or medical schools, anywhere else, it's always and forever to spread the ideas of communism, Marxism, socialism. It is there to spread the attack on America as a country, attack on America as a society that has just grown to be a better and better and better and better society since our founding. It is in, it's in, engendered, it's, in, it's intended to have these medical students be, have it rubbed in and convinced that, you know, it's a really bad country out there and you better just look out. Before I wrap, I mean, I'm just, I was so bothered by that and I, I you know, will find other ways to try to explain to you why, but I, I think when you start to tell people that, you know, they're, as they finish medical school and after all the schooling, education, everything else they've had, that you're just a really bunch of rotten bunch of people out there. We know you're racist and we know you're dying to be racist. It's, it's very denigrating and, and, and it's not uplifting. It's just the opposite. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I just had this thought when I was talking about this. There have been more stories recently about people who want to, who need some kind of health care, who need a whether it's life-saving surgery, you know, blood transfusion, they need something. There has been a, a, a rash of stories recently about medical institutions saying, all ready to do your, your heart transplant, your, your needed surgery. And they discover you're unvaccinated and they say, no, we can't do it for you, you're not vaccinated. Which, I mean, has nothing to do with the surgery that they are now declining to give, but they are fine discriminating based on this on this vaccine that is killing people, and yet the medical industry, medical community, okay with this woke Hippocratic oath, but fine actually discriminating against people who choose to protect their own health and not get the vaccine, people who chose not to. That was actually one more point that was uh, of interest in uh, discussion. Uh, Peter McCullough, I can't go into great detail, but basically, you know, the quest for people who want to have unvaccinated blood um, and for blood transfusions, the hospitals will not honor that. And somehow they have to honor every little woke ideology, but they can't honor the earnest uh, desire by people uh, to uh, to decide to not to have the vaccine in their lives. Okay, 10 seconds left for our radio listeners. This is Debbie George Addis, America Can We Talk. Go to americacanwetalk.org to hear more about the show and come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. For everybody else, at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our, day, our uh, show today talking about the um, Georgia special grand jury in Trump. Georgia's participation in lawfare against Trump convened a special grand jury to review Trump's post-election phone calls. Isn't a real grand jury, can't, cannot issue indictments, offers opinion that DA should look further into possible perjury by unnamed persons, jury four-person four person doesn't interview, utterly unserious. She was the giggler, utterly unserious embarrassment to the, to the judicial system collective establishment uniparty effort to do anything, anything to keep Trump from running. So transparent, so relentless, so over the top. A special grand jury, really? No one is fooled by their tactics, puts the spotlight back on them, forces sentient observers to ask, why are they so afraid of Trump? No one has threatened the institutional corruption of US government like Donald Trump. This corruption is America's enemy, not Trump. Trump supports Soros? No. Recent commentary tries to link past interconnections between Soros and Trump and Soros and Kushner and Mnuchin as proof of present influence or alliance of Soros with Trump. A DeSantis campaign angle? I don't know. But you know, DeSantis would love to exploit that if he could. Billionaires tend to know each other, may collaborate occasionally. However, Soros is on record vilifying Trump as a pitiful loser hoping Trump will be rejected by the GOP and run as an independent to split the vote and allow a Democrat to win. 
Trump has recently fund, fundraised off a specific denouncement of Soros and his agenda. We get these fundraising things at our house. This, he fundraises off of that, uh, saying Trump does, saying I'm not with Soros. Kushner appears to have lost influence with Trump, may not be involved in the Trump 47 administration, please. Deep State will explore and or fabricate any conceivable angle to disqualify or to depopularize Trump. The American people are awakening to this deep state phenomenon. Effect is to strengthen, not weaken, Trump's populist support. And vaccine danger and Pfizer cover-up. German newspaper has alleged Pfizer fabricated clinical trials to cover up deaths. Scotland data shows excess mortality post-vaccines. New Zealand data, more vaxxed, more likely to die from COVID. California perinatal data, recent 20 times surge in deaths according to funeral homes. Is it vaccine related? Dr. Peter McCullough recently estimated a minimum of 250,000 U.S. deaths directly from COVID vaccines. Data is rapidly accumulating around the world. Sudden death, excess mortality, disabilities, all dramatically on the ride, rise since mass COVID vaccination. Silence of legacy media on this data is truly dystopian, bizarre, and even trance-like. But the data keeps accumulating, cannot be ignored, and real lives are affected. Are we witnessing big pharma crimes against humanity? And finally, woke lunacy in medical schools. Columbia Medical School on video chanting Hippocratic Oath integrated with CRT. Mind-numbing to watch, cannot possibly improve medical care. True science is not about shifting social justice ideas. It's equal justice for all, as it has been for a long time. DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion, is engineered mediocrity via superficial tokenism around physical attributes. CRT, critical race theory, is engineered race envy and race hatred. Their purpose is to displace Judeo-Christian concepts of individual merit and character across all areas of human endeavor. As Trump warned, Everything woke turns to, and we don't say bad words on this show, so everything woke turns to you know what. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do America Can We Talk to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear